their hearts regenerated through the Lord Jesus Christ can offer that forgiveness. And, uh, you know, as, as a, a, the Amish man came, the message he wanted to bring is he says, you are forgiven. Is there any way we can help you in your time of sorrow? You know, there was that reaching out that went beyond. You know, for that situation, it meant that there was no continued outcry for justice. There was no demands of reparations being made. You know, in a society like that, lawyers would soon be out of business. But, you know, today our world is full of uh, lawyers and it seems they're all rich because there's plenty of business. You know, the message this evening is the deadly sin of unforgiveness. You know, I tremble when I hear people say, I will never forgive that person. And I've heard that statement inside the church and outside the church. I will not forgive. I cannot forgive. The pain is too deep. But I'd like to say this evening, those that refuse to forgive forsake their own mercies. It's a serious thing. As we look at, I'd like, to, like you to turn to Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to pick up reading in verse 21. And it says, Then came Peter unto him and said, Lord, how oft shall I forgive how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee, until I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain man, a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. And the servant therefore fell down, and he worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and he loosed him and he forgave him the debt but that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence and he laid hands on him and he took him by the throat saying pay me that thou owest and his fellow servant fell down at his feet and he besought him saying have patience with me and I will pay thee all and he would not but he went and he cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee. And his Lord was wroth, 
And he delivered him to the tormentors that he should pay all that he was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every man his brother their trespasses. The scripture here is very clear on the issue of forgiveness. As I look at this passage of scripture, there's several things I want to consider this evening. I want to consider the context of which Jesus is sharing this. Secondly, we want to look at the message of the Master. And then the third thing I would like to think about this evening, and that is that forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice that we have. We can forgive or we can go on carrying a grudge, seeking vindication, seeking to see justice brought out on the one that we perceive had trespassed against us. If we go back into chapter 17, in chapter verses uh, 22 and 23, uh, Jesus and his disciples were still in Galilee. It says, and while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. They shall kill him the third day, and he shall be raised again. And they were exceedingly sorry. You know, he's simply telling him there, Jesus is saying, you know, I am going to lay down my life because of the sins of humanity. And after three days, I'm going to be raised again. Now we come over to Matthew 18, and I'm just looking at this a little bit to get a perspective on the nature of the human heart. You know, Jesus had a heart of surrender so that he could reconcile. But man, in our nature, in human nature, we have that desire for position. You know, I, I, well, let me go on here a little bit. It says, and it came to pass, and at the same time, uh, obviously they're still there in Galilee, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You see the contrast here between human nature and the, 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 the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. He told his disciples that he's going to die, he's going to raise again. And, uh, you know, I, I just simply ask here, you know, the disciples were rallying for position. They wanted power. And Jesus was, on the other hand, laying it down. You know, we get a picture here of the ideas of natural man. The master is going to give his life, but the disciple is seeking preeminence. Uh, we may ask this evening, what does that have to do with forgiveness? But you know, the view of ourselves many times determines whether we're going to be willing to forgive or not. I remember some years ago, 
I work for Favorite Manufacturing. Uh, the boss's son, one of the owner's sons, he used to come in in the evening and his dad would give him a few chores and he was to take the forklift and he was to gather up the garbage cans and take them out and dump them and bring them in. But this son was known to, uh, I mean, he drove in a very unsafe manner. I mean, he'd go speeding back through the shop and another employee, an older man there, he was working and he stepped out and the forklift just about run over him. And so he hollered at the young man in the forklift and started telling him that, you know, he's unsafe, he needs to slow down. He, you know, he, he, he told him that, you know, it's not, not safe, it's not right. And, and the young boy, he kind of perked up a little. He said, but don't you know who I am? Uh, he was, he, he was, he was someone of importance in his mind, and therefore, it was expected that others would just simply put up with with his ill ways. A carnal man says, "You know, this is who I am, and I am entitled to better treatment than you are giving me." Jesus then gives the example. He sets a child in the midst of them. He sets a child in uh, as, a, as an example. And again here, uh, Jesus in verse 3 of chapter 18 says, Verily I say unto you, here again the other night we looked at verily as when that word is used, it, it's putting emphasis on the, on the fact that is following. And Jesus again reiterates, he says, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, there's this, again, the idea of conversion and becoming as this little child. The child that he set in the midst of him was an example of humility. It was an example, a child gives us an example of trust. You know, a child doesn't worry about a lot of the details of life sometimes that we as older people do. We simply, you know, as a child, you simply trust in the care of your guardians, uh, trusting, forbearing, forgiving, knowing that everything is under control. I don't need to be in control of life for myself. You know, a child has that kind of trust, even in, in sometimes parents that are not maybe worthy of that trust. You know, so as we look at our lives, how much more should we have that nature as children of our Heavenly Father? You know, we, can, we can place our trust in Him when it hurts. We can go to Him and cry. We can get the comfort that he gives. Uh, he can renew us. He can restore us. Uh, we don't need to bear that pain alone. But then going down into this context a little farther, it's, it's, in the, it's in the light of offending these little ones, these children. But in verse 7, he makes a statement. He says, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come 
but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. So what Jesus is, is simply telling us there is that we're in a fallen world. We're, we're here in this world, and because of the evil that is in this world, there's going to be offenses. There's going to be things that you and I are going to experience that are not going to feel good. They're not going to feel right. We're going to feel hurt. And, you know, we're to be prepared to accept that fact. We're here in a fallen world. Sin abounds. And sin is going to bring unkind treatment, unjust treatment into the lives of innocent people. And Jesus simply says here, he says, woe unto the world because of offenses. Um, you know, God is, God is, he sees the offender. You know, I, as I look at offenses, some offenses come by mere human weakness. You know, a person don't intend to do any wrong, but they didn't understand the situation. They didn't understand. Uh, they didn't understand a lot of things, and and yet they acted. And you know there is there is offense. Uh, there's other people that, you know they, they. Yeah, they they just comes back. They di didn't understand, and and their actions hurt. But then there are those people, that are evil who will trample and hurt. For their own gratification. You know, Je Jesus said uh, offenses will come. And I think probably all of us here, one time or another, have been hurt by the actions of other people and have had to deal with that. And one of the things that we need to remember in all of this is that you know, the offender, God is going to judge. He says, vengeance is mine, and I will repay. It comes from Romans, where he talks about God being just. Uh, he will repay. And I would like to say this evening that tears of the hurting, the broken tears of the offended, never fall to the ground unseen before our Heavenly Father. God sees that. And offenses will come. And those offenses in our lives will either become stepping stones to a closer and a more intimate relationship with God, or they're going to become stumbling blocks in our life. Not only stumbling blocks, but they will become crushing stones to the other destruction. And the difference is of how we process it. It seems here, if we go on a little farther down, Peter wasn't so sure about that. If we look at verses 15 through 20, we find there Jesus is giving instruction for reconciliation between people in the brotherhood. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. I'm going to go down to Peter's question. Peter obviously here is getting 
the feeling that Jesus is asking more in this realm of forgiveness than he's really willing to give. Right? That's, that's kind of what I see here. Peter says, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? How many times? How many times must I endure this person's ill manners and I simply lay it down and commit it to the Lord? He says, if I do it seven times, is that enough? And, uh, you know, Jesus says, Peter, I don't say until seven times, but I say until 70 times seven. 70 times 7 is 490 times. Uh, 490, 490 times in a day, if a brother trespasses against you, he offends you, he commits something that is painful in your life, uh, you need to forgive him. Now, if you look at 490 times a day, that is every 2.93 minutes somebody commits a trespass. I think Peter probably had a person singled out in mind that he was struggling with. And he thought seven times would be a good place to put a limit. Jesus says 490 times. And I'd like to say it's, I guess I ask the question, is it possible for a person to trespass against me every 2.93 minutes, just about every three minutes in a 24-hour period. You know, that would seem to be impossible. And so I believe the one thing that Jesus is telling Peter is that forgiveness is to be on a limitless basis. You know, we're to be a people that have a heart programmed to forgive. And I don't believe it's really possible for a person to transgress against us every three minutes in a 24-hour day. But there's one thing that is possible, and that is that an offense that someone has committed against us can come to our mind every three minutes around the clock. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm really going to expose myself here in the next few minutes. But I was a young man that grew up, come to adulthood, and I felt that there was some people that had trespassed against me. And I came to the place I gave my life to Christ and I was endeavoring to walk the Christian life. But you know this thing of the past offense kept coming through my mind again and again and again. There was anger, there was bitterness, there was resentment, there was a cry for justice. There was that, you know, in my mind, I engaged in conversation for long periods of time. You've been there? I have. 
And I, you know, in that conversation, I would vindicate my feelings, my anger, just as it was. I just delighted my mind in seeing justice brought to that situation. But you know, God wasn't finished with me. He laid his hand on my shoulder and helped me to realize that that was destroying my life and was going to completely sever my relationship with him unless I repented. By the grace of God, he gave me victory. He gave me victory over that situation, and it felt so good, so free. But you know, that wasn't the last challenge in life that I was going to face. 29 years ago, I faced a situation in church life. I'd been ordained for a number of years and it was an unaffiliated congregation. It was a lot of people came from a lot of different places, not really always too convinced of where we wanted to go, but there was a lot of good feelings about where we left. That was a congregation the Lord called me to pastor. As things faced some bumps in the road there, I suddenly found myself, you know, a minister cannot be in a congregation and his true heart not be made known. And that wasn't necessarily appreciated. After a while, I realized that there was a lot of false accusation that was going around. There was you know, there was, there was false accusation, there was uh, all that kind of thing, and I, you know, you would try to say, well, no, that's, that's not the way it was. But, you know, every time you spoke, the words you spoke were again taken out of the context you spoke them, put in another context to say something completely different. This went on for a period of time face that church uh, situation, came to a place where my preaching ministry, I was asked to refrain from preaching while they worked through the situation. And I know I, in the midst of that, there was that cry that if only people knew the truth, the truth of what was going on here, you know, somehow I would be vindicated. You know, I, I wanted justice in that situation. And again, I felt myself spiraling down, down, down into despair, anger, bitterness, trying to grapple with that. And I would like to say, you know, that 490 times a day, can get pretty close to real. You maul that through your mind. And I struggled. And I remember one morning, early morning hours, sleep was gone. I went down to spend time in prayer, seeking the Lord, how 
How do we come through this? How do we reconcile this? And the Lord showed me some verses out of Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5 verse 7 says, Who in the days of his flesh, referring to Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong cryings and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, was heard in that he feared. And though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. I remember I was so smitten. You know, Jesus suffered. He prayed. He asked the Father, he said, if this cup could pass from me, that's what I want. But he said, if it's not your will, you know, I'll drink it. And it says, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. You know, my perspective was changed. You know, God knew all that was going on. He was taking me, allowing me to go through those fires so that he could show me and teach me his ways in a more real way. You know, as I remember that time, there was a few stakes that I drove that night. First of all, I was more concerned about my shortcomings and the ways that I had offended other people than I was concerned about the offenses against me. You want to get a perspective on forgiveness. Focus on how you have hurt others, not how others have hurt you. Gives a lot of strength. The other thing that I looked at is that by God's grace, I was going to forgive. I was going to forgive freely. I was going to forgive all by God's grace. I was going to look for no vindication. I didn't have to set the account straight. I will, by the grace of God, love all men that are involved in laying down the right to anger. So that was a commitment I made. I will do everything in my power to break down every wall of division between us. You know, there was people who would avoid me. You could feel the avoidance. Rather than going and crawling in a corner, I would go out of my way to meet them, to love them, to reach into their lives. Seventeen years later, after I had been asked to quit preaching in that congregation, I got a phone call one day. So will you come and preach? Will you hold a Sunday evening service here? I wasn't sure about it. I said, are you sure? I don't want to come and make waves. I want to be a servant. I want to come. But I got to know it's okay. I was assured it was okay. I had an assigned topic. So it was 
somewhat easy to go in and again it was a connection, a closer connection with them people. Nineteen years from the time I was asked to quit preaching, I got a call. Will you come and hold revival meetings at our congregation? I said, I don't know if I can. I said, I will, but I need to know. I said, you got to understand that I am walking on eggshells. I don't want to go in there. I want the freedom to preach God's word as he lays it on my heart and not fear not fear that it's going to stir up old feelings I was assured that that would not happen and so I called the bishop that had asked me to refrain from preaching dismissed my ministry there and I, I said you know this is a request what do you think he said I want you to go back I want you to go back and I'd like to say I, I probably entered that week of meetings with probably a few more fears and doubts than I usually do. But you know, I would like to say this evening that was the most meaningful week of revival meetings I ever had. I don't share this tonight for any glory or honor on myself. I have so much area to grow in. But brothers and sisters, I want this to be shared to the glory of God because I know the struggle to forgive. But I know the blessing that God can give when we freely surrender the right to justice and vindication of my own self. God can work. Forgiveness is not an option. And forgiveness is not a feeling that's going to come natural at any time. Forgiveness is a commitment of the will to forgive. And when we forgive, what we simply are doing is resigning the right to see any justice brought to a situation, but fully trusting it to a holy God that who is able to deal vengeance or discipline in any way that he will, uh, much better than I can. You know, Jesus in this kingdom parable, I, I come back again, you know, where there's unforgiveness, it destroys. It destroys people. If we go back into Hebrews chapter 12, the latter part of that chapter, it talks about that we're not to be like Esau, who for one morsel of meat uh, sold his birthright. But it, uh, the, right before that, it says that uh, we're, to, we're, we're to be careful lest any root of bitterness springing up defile many. And you know where there's unforgiveness, there's anger and the result is bitterness. We need to be a people who are willing to forgive. The parable that Jesus gives here, he says the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king that would take account of his servants. I'd just like us to think about that a little bit. 
the, the, the kingdom of heaven is the Lord Jesus who is taking account of his servants, who are those who have been born again. It's his servants who are serving him. And truly, we all need to account to the king. And so we, in this account process, it says he found a man, uh, he found a servant, which owed him, uh, it's in verse 24, he began to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, if I, if I do the math on that 10,000 talents, a shekel is an ounce of silver. A shekel was known to be a day's wage for a working man. Through much of Bible history, one shekel equaled a day's wage. Uh, talent was 3,000 shekels. Uh, 3,000 shekels to one talent. This man owed him 10 talents. Now, when I had done the calculations years ago, I used $100 a day, but somehow there's been inflationary processes, and I've doubled that. So we, we have, we have uh, $200 a day, a wage for a working man, which I'm, I don't have many employees working for that, uh, if any. But nonetheless, you do the math on that, it comes up to $6 billion. Now, how a man can squander $6 billion, um, you know, I'm not sure, but Jesus is using it as a parable. The reality is that $6 billion is an impossible amount to make up. You can't start broke in the middle of life and come back with $6 billion. But yet this servant says, I'll, I'll repay you all. I'll, and the master said, the master, Jesus, knows that we can't repay the debt of sin that we owe. He took care of that debt at Calvary. And so he offers pardon to us. He forgives us our debt. But now this same servant, he went out and he found another servant. That's a verse 28, but the same servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. And a pence is the same as a shekel. And he laid his hands on him and he took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet. He saw him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not. He went and he cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and they came and told their Lord all that was done. Then said his Lord, after that he had called him, he said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? You know, that amount that that servant owed, uh, using the same calculations of figures, he owed him $20,000. $20,000 is a fee that a man with diligence to pay off can easily meet that demand. But, you know, he refused. 
that debt was something that he was not going to pardon. His Lord was wrath, and justice was demanded because he showed no mercy. You know, the person who, who forsakes mercy, or a person who don't forgive, forsakes his own mercy. We go back into Matthew chapter 6 in the Lord's Prayer, verse 12. Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray for forgiveness. And we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, we don't even have right to ask for forgiveness until we're willing to forgive. Verse 14 and 15, Jesus makes in the Lord's Prayer, in verses 14 and 15, he makes a clarifying statement on verse 14. And he says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive your trespasses. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Brothers and sisters, this evening, I know the struggle. I walked there. And I know in my meeting with people, it's an area, there's a lot of people carrying a lot of baggage of bitterness forsaking their own mercies. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what the battle is you might be, might be facing. And you know, in those days, some of those days where I, in my early years, you know, I was carrying that bitterness and unforgiveness, and yet I had a pious look on the outside. You know, God is looking in our hearts this evening. I know the weight of unforgiveness towards others, but I also know the freedom that comes by forgiving, praying for them, and seeking their good in every way possible. Where are you at this evening? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you this evening. We know that you know our hearts. And Father, it's our prayer this evening that our hearts would be free of any bitterness and unforgiveness because of trespasses that were committed against us. Father, we pray that you would search our hearts this evening. And again, this evening, Father, we pray if there are those here that may be burdened down with the weight of unforgiveness, that they would become unshackled and free tonight. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask for an invitation song. We I'm going to ask for two verses. I'm not one who puts long pressuring invitations. You know if the Lord is speaking, if your conscience is free, your heart is clean. Praise the Lord. But if tonight there's that weight of an unforgiving spirit, I ask you to Tonight is the opportunity to set it free. And you can make that known this evening as the invitation hymn is sung. You can stand to your feet until I acknowledge you and someone will be willing.
talk with you afterwards. What shall we sing? <laughs>